Good evening, Layton. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. You had a great weekend? Yeah, actually, um, I don't think there's anything more joyful for a parent than to see your children have success. And uh, my wife and I got to go to Edmonton to watch our, our youngest son, our 16-year-old, who's the youngest uh, player in his junior A hockey league, participate in the All-Star weekend. So he was the youngest player in the league, and he's also the youngest player in the All-Star game. And we got to watch him participate in the, um, the skills competition. And then uh, on uh, on Saturday, he played in the All-Star game and had a couple of assists. And uh, so that was very, very exciting. And then, of course, uh, this week, been very busy uh, doing doing some interviews and uh, things like that. I was, uh, I was on What's Up Canada with Wayne Peters last night. That was a lot of fun. And then today I interviewed our good friend Jason Levine. Uh, that interview is, uh, I understand, is probably going to drop early next week. Yeah, so it's coming out on Monday, on. holiday yeah, Monday. Fantastic. Yeah, that'll yeah. be a really good one. And I know, yes, you've been a very busy man recording tons of interviews. Do you want to tee up any of the uh, guests that you have coming up on the show? Yeah, well, I know, um, first of all, I should mention um, a really, really great episode uh, with Tom Marazzo was um, re-released on Monday in a very timely fashion because there's so much going on with the Freedom Convoy. I don't know how you guys in the production team managed to do this. You always seem to put something out that's right on point. Uh, and I'm going to be talking a lot about that tonight, actually. Uh, and then, of course, we have another commentary coming out tomorrow. One thing I want to mention is that uh, I know some people have been um, asking about an update on the unvaccinated class action. And we can do that tonight. But um, I actually was on the phone today with um, the host of Viva Fry. He's planning to have me on his program for about a half an hour on Friday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And we're going to be talking about the class action. So uh, if people are interested in um, sort of taking a deep dive into that, uh, I will be doing that on the Viva Fry uh, program. So I'm looking forward to that. And then tomorrow I get to interview our good friend, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, which is always a very stimulating interview. Roger is a very intelligent man, and uh, he can be very emphatic in his opinions and comments, which are, are always well substantiated, though. And um, he's a brilliant guy, and he's always a lot of a lot of fun, very interesting to talk to. So we're going to be recording that interview tomorrow. So, Layton, I'm going to ask a question that I've been wanting to ask you for a while. I don't know why I haven't asked you this sooner, but maybe some others are interested as well. Um, you're a lawyer, full-time lawyer, mm -hmm. and you have this podcast that is just taking off. People are just so hungry for the interviews that you're putting out there. How are you balancing both of these projects and jobs? Yeah, if only those were the only two things I'm balancing. And, uh, right, since and the hockey team. <laughs> well, yeah, and since you're mentioning the, the podcast, I've I have to throw this out there. We're on X. I'm looking at it right now. We're seven followers short of uh, 7,500. Uh, so if you not if you are listening to this and you're not yet a follower, please become a follower. Uh, I don't understand how this works, but I know somehow this works with the algorithms and it helps us. So please become a follower. Um, and I should mention um, Eva Chipiak, um, who's also a lawyer, um, although I, I don't. I can't think of any cases that she's she's actually won. She she did question the uh, the prime minister uh, during that sham of an inquiry. She's got over seventy thousand followers. So 
Um, I know I'm not supposed to be an envious because that's sinful, but uh, you know, I, I'd love to have, you know, 75,000 followers for on, on, on our show, but to answer your question, um, you know, it's a, it, it is, it's a matter of how you use your time. And so, uh, in, in addition to the podcast, um, I actually do, um, uh, a lot of writing for the show. Uh, all the commentaries, uh, are, are, are things that I've, that I've written. And, um, those are all going to be part of a book that we're, we're in the process of getting ready for release. Uh, obviously also also have a, have a lovely wife and, uh, she's very understanding, very supportive. Uh, she supports everything that I do. That's extremely important. Um, but you know, it's just a matter of how you budget your time. I don't watch television. I stopped watching television. I don't even watch sports anymore. Uh, and so all of my quote unquote free time is devoted to, um, you know, the different, different, different projects. So apart from being um, engaged in, in my law practice, really everything else I'm doing is devoted to my writing and to the podcast and being involved with uh, the hockey team and then a couple of, of other projects <laughs> that I'm involved in, uh, including one um, I want to mention uh, that has to do with the Alberta Bill of Rights and some work we've been doing to secure the rights of gun owners in this province. And I'm excited to say that uh, we have a, 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 a meeting on the 20th of February, which happens to be my birthday, meine Geburtstag, um, with the Chief Firearms Officer for Alberta. Uh, so that's something that's very exciting. Um, so I'll be able to update you more on that as we go forward. But, you know, the answer to, to the question is, um, it's not a matter of being busy, uh, but I'm just a person, I've always been a very restless person. You can ask Brad, uh, my friend Brad, who's on here. He's known me a very long time. But I was, I've always been this way. I just... Uh, I just don't, uh, you know, there's no rest, no rest for the wicked, I guess. So I've always got to be doing something and uh, I just try to focus all of my time on doing things that are productive. I believe, I know, uh, my faith tells me that I have a job to do. I've been given a vocation and my job is to live that out. And so uh, I really enjoy everything that I'm doing, including talking with all the good people on this, uh, on this live stream. I really enjoy doing these. Yeah, they've become uh, really fun for me as well. Um, in case anybody's wondering, um, Layton comes out with a brand new episode every Monday, a brand new commentary every Thursday. And Layton, you're so active on your your Twitter or X account uh, that if you're if you're if you're following, great. But if you if everybody on this live could go and share this live onto your platforms right now, that would really help um, get Layton's message out there. Um, Layton, we have a lot to talk about tonight, so mm -hmm. let's get right into it. Why don't you tell okay. us? The why don't you tell us the topics we're going to discuss tonight, and then go ahead with your first topic? Well, I don't know if we're going to get past the first topic, and it isn't one that I had on my list. You know, there's so much happening in Canada right now, but, um, you know, one of the ones that um, I, it's a love-hate, you know, I, I, I love talking about the Prime Minister of Canada and his government, and I hate it too. So the first topic I want to dive into tonight is uh, Justin Trudeau, and I, and I, post to, I posted to my page, uh, to our page, uh, just a little while ago, you know, the the most prolific Canadian actor ever, the ultimate edition. And on there, there's got to be, um, you know, 40 different faces of our prime minister. And of course, he's a, he's something of an escape artist. You know, he's almost like a secret agent, the way he 
he shifts and he and he squirms out of situations. It's always, uh, you know, hide and deflect. That seems to be his mantra. But he's had, he's had a very difficult last little while, and it only got worse today. Uh, as people know, uh, you know, this arrive scam issue just won't go away. There's a company behind Aravscan that has received a quarter of a billion taxpayer dollars since 2015. This is uh, this is a you know a company that had two people working for it. Okay, and uh, you know this this wasn't uh, you know like uh, uh, you know um, uh, Warren Buffett and and his partner, uh, you know who who invest are brilliant investors. Uh, this was a, a, a little business, a makeshift business that's received all this money. And um, a couple of his ministers came out. Of course, he uses them uh, to draw fire, to take bullets for him. And uh, astonishingly, they were just being pilloried this week. Um, and um, even, even by members of the mainstream media, whom the liberals, you know, presume, in fact, they state publicly, they've purchased um, but, you know, um, I've been saying for a long time that I thought, I've been predicting since uh, really, since early in the pandemic, that ultimately, eventually, I thought that big litigation, a flood of litigation, um, would ultimately contribute significantly to the demise of the Trudeau government. Um, and, and lo and behold, this is happening now. Uh, so let's start with Leighton, I think you muted your mic by accident there. Sorry. There Sorry. we go. Uh, where did I lose you? I was saying that uh, the makers of the COVID-19 protective equipment, so these are masks and uh, PP and things like that, they're seeking over $5 billion in damages from Ottawa. Um, in, a, in a new lawsuit, the manufacturers of masks and other equipment for protecting, for protecting against COVID-19 are seeking more than $5 billion in damages from the federal government, saying Ottawa misled them about buying and helping sell their products. So in a statement claim was filed in the federal court, the same court where we filed our unvaccinated class action, the companies in their industry association alleged the government made, quote, negligent misrepresentations. In other words, they, they lied, uh, that prompted these companies to invest in personal protection equipment, innovations, manufacturing, and production. Uh, the companies and the Canadian Association of PPE Manufacturers say the government made these misleading statements about markets, direct assistance, flexible procurement, and long-term support over a three-year period that began in March of 2020. The federal government will have an opportunity to file a defense to these as yet unproven allegations as the court case proceeds. So that's one lawsuit, but that's not all of the lawsuits. Uh, also happening right now, um, uh, in the wake of the Mosley decision, is uh, our my, my friend and colleague, uh, Keith Wilson, has filed lawsuits on behalf of Tamara Leach uh, and Daniel Bulford and presumably others alleging that the uh, that the government of, of, of Canada uh, violated charter rights in the way that uh, these organizers of the Freedom Convoy were treated. And the, these, again, are multi-billion dollar lawsuits that have been filed. 
But <laughs> that's not all. Uh, today, on the 14th of February, uh, 2024, St. Valentine's Day, also um, the anniversary of, uh, uh, as you know, of, uh, of what happened in, in Coots and the announcement of the Emergencies Act, uh, the inv invocation of the Emergencies Act. And, and for those of you pay, paying attention at home, the beginning of Lent, uh, we'll come back to that later, uh, a law firm in, in Calgary, Loberg Ector LLP, announces legal proceedings against the Trudeau government. And this is by Edward Cornell. And the named defendant is not the government of Canada. It's none other than Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau is named as a defendant in this lawsuit. Edward Cornell, that name might be familiar, familiar to some of you. He is one of the uh, lead defendants in the case that was decided by Justice Mosley in the federal court a couple of weeks ago, the one where the, where the federal government was found in violation of the Emergencies Act and also in violation of the Constitution and in violation of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So Mr. Cornell is back. And so today, Loberg Ector LLP, a law firm, commenced proceedings in Ontario Superior Court of Justice in Ottawa on behalf of 20 victims of the Trudeau government's unconstitutional misuse of the provisions of the Emergencies Act in February of 2022. The plaintiffs, those are the people who are suing in this action, seek compensation and unrelated relief arising from the unjustified and unconstitutional actions of the Liberal government, as well as the actions of certain police agencies, we know who they are, and Canadian financial institutions who followed the unlawful orders of the Liberal government and other defendants who participated in or promoted these actions. So, uh, and, and in a letter, in a letter, and I should say in a press release, uh, the law firm says this, and, and I really like the way this is worded. The lawyers say, a democracy is only as strong as its commitment to the rule of law. And when a government decides that it is not bound by the law of Canada, the resulting unlawful action not only breaks the law, it undermines and degrades the very democracy that you put that government in power in the first place. Love that. These unlawful actions also undermine the integrity of our community and tells Canadian citizens that they can no longer rely on the government to protect our liberty and freedom. But instead, they should be fearful of a government that considers themselves unrestrained by the rule of law. This is not about any single instance of free speech or any particular protest, and it specifically does not matter how anyone feels about the Freedom Convoy protest. What matters is the obligation the government has to the people of this nation to obey the law. And so this litigation is about that obligation. So a virtual hurricane, a flood of litigation hitting Ottawa and hitting the Prime Minister of Canada right on the nose. And uh, so he's not only hiding, but because he's Justin Trudeau, uh, as he must do, he uh, deflects. And how did he deflect today? Well, let me tell you. He issued a, a statement, a joint statement by the prime ministers of Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. How, <laughs> how co very convenient, coincidental, how timely is this when he's besieged by the Iran, by the arrives, can scam, uh, by 
by uh, all of this flood of litigation uh, that he, he goes and he looks elsewhere to deflect uh, blame, to deflect responsibility. And what does he do? He says, he, he makes a press release today saying, the Prime Ministers of Australia, Canada, and New Zealand today issued the following statement on reports of Israel's planned military operation in Rafah. He says, we are gravely concerned by indications that Israel is planning a ground offensive into Rafah. The military operation into Rafah would be catastrophic. About 1.5 million Palestinians are taking refuge in the area, including many of our citizens and their families. With the humanitarian situation in Gaza already dire, the impacts on Palestinian civilians from expanded military operation would be devastating. We urge the Israeli government not to go down this path. There is simply nowhere else for civilians to go. So I would invite you to disagree with me about the prime minister's strategy. Uh, but I'm also interested to hear from you, anyone who wants to come on, who agrees with me that this uh, rash of litigation, uh, which has only just begun, you know, it's like the Carpenter song. Um, <laughs> uh, it, is, it is affecting a political uh, uh, purpose, an important one. And I said this last night when I was talking um, on, on, on the podcast with Wayne Peters on What's Up Canada. I said, you know, uh, as Canadians, we have been so much shut out of the public square. Um, you know, we, we've been disconnected. Our, we have a government that doesn't listen to us. We have uh, media that lies to us. Uh, we've been locked down. We've been masked. We've been shut up, shut down, had our businesses closed. We've had our churches closed. We've had our churches burned. Um, but the, the one place where we've continued to go and to ha have access um, has been the courts. And some of us uh, have been in this uh, for the long haul from the very beginning, and we're going to keep going. But I'm very encouraged to see more lawyers like this coming on, excellent uh, litigation lawyers coming on and, uh, and picking up, uh, you know, the, the baton. And, uh, and this is, this is uh, I think, uh, performing a, a very important function because how do we speak to our government? How do we let our government know that we don't like what they're doing, that we reject it? Well, you know, all of those good people who went, maybe some of you are, who are listening right now were ones who went there two years ago to Ottawa and you waited and you waited for the prime minister to open a dialogue with you. You pra practically, the leaders, and you know, Tom Marazzo, who's on our show this week, he talks about this in his book, how, you know, ultimately, eventually that became the, the, the sole goal and purpose of the convoy was to open up a dialogue with government and it never happened. Well, now the government has to respond. Prime Minister has to respond because these lawsuits uh, require it. And so uh, the courts for now, and hopefully this continues, um, are giving people a voice and, uh, and access to our courts is a fundamental pillar of our of our system of our democracy and uh i so i'm interested to hear from you if you think that um these lawsuits are building to something bigger and that they, they might be the thing that will finally bring down this government so I, i've said a lot here so i'd like to open this up for discussion and hear what people have to say about this
anybody wants to come on and uh, and and comment, Lorraine? Yeah, Leighton, we have somebody who's requested to speak. Anybody else requesting to speak? Go ahead. I'll let you on. Um, so we have Mopar Girl. Go ahead. Just unmute your mic and you can talk to Leighton. Mopar Girl. She, so she loves Fords, I guess. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know what Mopar is. <laughs> You're lucky I got headphones on. My husband didn't hear that. <laughs> That's funny. So um, go ahead. I'm I, interested to hear what you have to say. Well, I first wanted to comment on the lawsuit that names uh, Justin Trudeau directly. Right. So how does that work when he's never actually been criminally charged? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So would it have to be a proof of him evading the law? Well, I, I haven't had a chance to read the lawsuit fully. But I think what it's going to allege is is uh, is a tort. A tort is a type of uh, legal claim, uh, which alleges that somebody does something that causes someone else harm. Okay, and the tort yeah. that I suspect is being alleged here is something called public malfeasance. So um, elected leaders and politicians have a. I won't call it. I won't go as far as to say as it's as it's not a full immunity. But their, their, their decisions that they make as legislators, as long as they're following the law, they are to that extent immune from being sued for making you know, bad decisions. However, where they go outside of the law, where they break the law, where they engage in illegality, as, mm -hmm. as has been established by the Mosley decision in the federal court, right. then they become liable personally for the decisions that they made. So I suspect what's being alleged here, and I'm gonna, I'm going to um, get some members of our crack legal team to look over these lawsuits in more detail over the next week or so. So I'll elaborate upon these. But I suspect what's being alleged here is that the prime minister was directly involved in making key decisions about about the freedom convoy, and that uh, he was really taking the lead, as we would expect, as the prime minister, in terms of making decisions that caused. Uh, the people who are suing harm. Uh, and so that would make him potentially personally liable. Um, there is a principle in law called vicarious liability, which protects employees uh, from being sued personally when they're, in, when they're actively engaged uh, in their employment. Uh, and, and so what happens is uh, if you're working at your job and, uh, and you, do so, you screw up and you do something, the employer becomes what's called vicariously liable for your actions, right? So your actions are deemed to be the actions of the employer, unless right. unless you're acting outside the scope of your employer. So if you're a shipper receiver at a you know at a at a, at a place and uh, you know you're smoking crack while you're loading unloading tru trucks, then uh, you know the, you're you're probably going to be held personally liable. But if you're just yeah. trying to do your job. And you and you screw up and you crash and break something or you injure somebody, then you're probably going to be protected by vicarious liability. So ho hopefully that answers the question. That answers my question perfectly. The other comment that I wanted to make is so like around the time that they were bringing in all of the mandates, and my sister and I are both managers at different companies. Okay. She she insisted. Uh, that they had to bring in the vaccine mandates. And I'm like, 
Um, no, because guess who's responsible if something happens? The employer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and she, and we got into like a big debate about it. Really? I never brought in any mandates. There was never mm -hmm. any mandates. Mm -hmm. But were now you... we're seeing all the, these lawsuits against mm -hmm. employers. Like, mm -hmm. but why wouldn't it never come back on any of these so-called trusted scientists who recommended these? Well, I think it, I think ultimately uh, it is. I, I think we're going to get there. Um, I, I think that is going to happen. Um, no, there, there are some lawsuits that actually have been brought against uh, Big Pharma. And um, as I said, we're just at the beginning of these lawsuits. I think uh, the, 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 the community that should be really worried, uh, or there's a couple of them, that's, that's Big Pharma and also, uh, and also uh, the, you know, the medical profession. Uh, because, uh, of course, um, you know, doctors, especially medical colleges, um, have uh, have really have not only supported these vaccines, they've enforced, they've they've restricted doctors from even warning people about the risks of the vaccines. And um, there there is going to be a price to pay there to, to pay there. There's there's there is going to be some responsibility down the line. So these these lawsuits are going to make their way. They're going to cut a very wide swath of the people who are responsible. But it is natural. It does make sense that the government of Canada and governments uh, would be uh, sort of the the initial targets of these of these lawsuits. Um, so that's probably why it's starting here. Um, were you involved in um, in a business that is federally regulated? No. Okay. Because um, when uh, what no. happened in October of 2021, Prime Minister came out, and uh, of course the, the federal government cannot. Issue, and maybe people don't realize this, the federal government does not have the constitutional authority to issue a, a, a vaccine mandate for the entire country because they do not have exclusive authority over health. This is why all of the, the mandates, the lockdown orders were provincial in nature. Uh, the federal right. government pressured the provinces into imposing lockdowns by threatening to withhold uh, money. This is, this is the game that they play. But the federal yeah. government um, actually got advice. There's a, a legal opinion that uh, people can see. I believe it's posted to our page at one point in 1996. Uh, so quite a while ago, 28 years ago, the federal government got an opinion from their lawyers about whether or not they could impose, you know, a national mandate, health mandate. And the answer they got was no, it would violate the Constitution. But the Trudeau government did the next best thing because we have so many federal workers, over a million in this country, uh, mm -hmm. the, the federal government issued an order in October, in October of 2021, uh, which required all crown corporations and all federally regulated employers uh, to impose vaccine mandates. And what happened was um, that impacted a lot of private uh, entities and a lot of large, large companies, including, I'm sad to say, law firms, uh, basically mm -hmm. followed followed that that lead and and that found its way into the private sector and a lot of big companies a lot of companies uh said that they've that they felt you know you know compelled to to bring in a vaccine mandate policy when in fact they weren't required to do so uh, uh but yeah um, my sister know. actually got a letter saying that they could be held liable if somebody got sick and 
ended up dying of COVID if they didn't have a vaccine mandate. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. was her impression. I'm like, no, you're not liable at work for somebody catching uh, something that's contagious and then dying. That's not how it works. Yeah, no, good point. Um, So uh, thank you for coming on and offering your your thoughts and comments. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Um, thank you for answering my questions. Yeah, Lorraine, uh, is there anybody else who uh, who wants to comment on the on that topic or or anything else? Um, yeah, we have uh, Jason James. You're up next, so go ahead and just unmute your mic, Jason, and you can go ahead and speak to Layton. Hey, Layton, how's it going, bud? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Oh, good. Um, I think when it comes to lawsuits towards uh any politician that's you know as high as obviously justin trudeau and anybody even below him i I have to remain skeptical um i see a lot of these lawsuits coming out now i've I've been seeing them the last few days and i'm I'm thinking hey that's great um but is it more of a show than it is actually a lawsuit is there actually any way possible to hold him accountable for any of these things and arrive can um you like you said before there's two people that that own this company that have a quarter of a billion dollars um in the past seven years eight years mm-hmm. uh I, I see them getting thrown under the bus for sure i see anybody who do, does any business with them being the ones that get thrown under the bus but not necessarily right. the politician himself being involved because that's kind of how history is gone as far as i can remember yeah. so yeah. i've never seen anybody in, in that in holding office being held accountable for anything like that and and i, I say good for them if they if they want to push forward with these lawsuits I, I wish them luck but i have to remain skeptical that anybody is going to be held accountable at this point well i i can't blame you for that uh jay and but uh, let me ask you this though don't you think it's significant that some of trudeau's friends are turning on him like this five billion dollar lawsuit uh for the this company that got that that they were promised contracts to make ppe you know they ended up making a lot of money as you know uh mm-hmm. but even there's even they're suing him right what's their what is their stance on their ppe actually being effective against COVID? i wonder well their sense is we don't care <laughs> you know it's like you ordered you ordered this widget uh you told us to produce more widgets we relied on your promise that you were going to need more widgets we made the widgets and you didn't pay us, you know, uh, we were supposed to make another $5 billion, right? We were supposed to be able to grift another 5 billion off the backs of Canadian taxpayers. They were unable to, yeah, they were, they were unable to secure the same deal that the, uh, the vaccine, you know, the pharmaceutical company is like five yeah. during a got right. Which That's is it. you're buying all these vaccines and they're paid for in full before you get delivery. So that we're not having this kind of yeah. issue later. I yeah. get that part, but it makes me wonder though if if these if they want to go after them for five billion dollars, uh, stating that they they were supposed to purchase a certain amount of PPE for for the pandemic, um, that the public should be able to come back and say, and we should be able to defend ourselves on this one because that's taxpayer money they're wanting. Yeah, your your product wasn't effective against the vaccine or against uh, the the pan or the mm. COVID nineteen. Sorry. And yeah. uh, we're not we're not buying your product anymore. And yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I I really would be interested to see like if they were buying these products that the, if the company was promising anything that it, it it is effective to a certain extent or not effective at all. Mm-hmm. And or don't don't say on our behalf that it is effective because we're not we're not claiming that. I'd love to know that. Yeah. The thing that's that is significant to me, Jay, in this context though, is that if if you are that company, and and they're probably are, I'm certain there are going to be more lawsuits like this. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, you you you've been grifting off the federal government for 
for how long, you know when you sue uh, the federal government, when you sue the Trudeau government, you're never going to see another juicy contract like that from them. Uh, so it doesn't that signal something about what they think about his future as our prime minister? Uh, it, you know, did, did, or does that make sense to you? It, it kind of does. I, I guess from a business standpoint, if I'm that company, I'm guessing that recently they probably had a huge downturn in orders, not just from the government, but even just from from hospitals and, and whatnot, because the product is just no longer needed on the same level that it was before. So if the, yeah. if they predicted that they were going to make a certain amount of money over a certain period of time and then that was taken from them, I can understand that they're upset. But you right. have to understand that this we're wanting this to be over and your equipment simply isn't needed anymore. And the taxpayer should not be floating the bill for this anymore. Right. Yeah. I, I have no sympathy for them now. It's like you got into bed. First of all, hey, listen, you got into bed with the government. What did you think was going to happen? So that's yeah. my first thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Eventually, no they're going to throw you under the bus. So I don't know. Not much sympathy there for, from my aspect. Well, they, they must not be paying very much attention to this uh, WHO pandemic uh, treaty. Uh, and, and just by way of segue, uh, I, I, I wrote uh, a, uh, a commentary for the show that uh, I'll be recording soon. Um, and I, I really took a, a really deep look into this treaty. And um, it's quite worrisome. The, the title of my commentary is called Treasonous Treaties. You can you probably guess what it's about. But listen to this. Uh, just for example, you know, the annual commitment that would be provided by member states to the uh, WHO and just annual per year is going mm. to be nearly $32 billion annually. Now, per country? That, yeah, no, that like the, the, like, you know, globally, that, oh, that okay. is going to be the worldwide, uh, you know, contribution. Um, now, ju now just, now just, you know, think about this. Um, when you take, uh, when you combine uh, some of the most infectious diseases in the world, I'm talking about uh, now AIDS, uh, malaria, Ebola, tuberculosis, these ones who are major killers. Yeah. Uh, the WHO is only spending $4 billion per year on those. Okay, $4 billion. So okay. almost eight times that amount is going to be going to this what they call PPR, pandemic preparedness. Um, really, really shocking. Of course, they're they're going to have the the authority, and this is why I mentioned the context of uh, what you were saying, Jay. They're mm -hmm. going to have the ability, the unilateral authority. Uh, this guy Tedros will be able to declare a real or potential pandemic, and as part of that kind of order everybody all the member states uh to tell their people to wear masks so this company that's suing that's suing uh the federal government in canada might be really missing the boat the, the big bonanza on, on masks maybe maybe ahead of us uh, they might have gotten some so, they might have gotten some bad legal advice <laughs> yeah that well that happens <laughs> it doesn't happen at my firm no no, uh, no you know no. but it happens um, and I, I wonder what people, you know, you know, think about this now, um, you know, be, because the WHO has not done very well in terms of, uh, you know, providing uh, advice. Jay just mentioned that, uh, of course, um, you know, they got masking totally wrong. 
uh, we found out that, you know, the, the six foot social distancing was, you know, totally made up. Uh, they completely refused to investigate uh, the Wuhan lab and they, they totally lied to us about where, where COVID came from. Uh, if you don't know where COVID came from by now, you've been living under a rock. And, and if you have been living under a rock, I'm going to quote Donald Trump on this. Okay. China. <laughs> that's where it came from folks it's still not it's still not an official explanation though right even at this point it's well still not official yet but i mean yes, yeah about an unofficial is gravity yeah uh <laughs> but but uh you know when i look in looked into this this is really really frightening because um it ties into quite nicely into the whole you know globalist agenda and uh what it points to is is a is a total you know, power grab. That's what that's what this the WHO pandemic treaty is. It's tied into the UN. You know, tied into a globalism, and uh, really, really quite concerning. Um, and you know, here's what the prime and even more concerned. This is what the prime minister says about it. The prime minister says, you know, um, as an active member of the WHO, Canada has always been there to push for better impacts in the way we collaborate around the world. Yeah, right. We will continue to be active, strong participants in international fora around health while always respecting and protecting Canada's sovereignty and choices to make the right decisions for its own citizens. Uh, so we've got Trudeau and Biden. Biden is, um, well, to the extent that Biden is aware of, of anything, uh, but his government is not only prepared to sign on to this, but is sort of bullying and manipulating other countries. To follow suit because we have this um this this final vote coming up in in may um and i frankly am uh, you know i'm concerned about uh, this treaty coming into into effect because uh, i'm convinced that well i fear that this is uh, to be the true and malevolent purpose of the who pandemic treaty in other words um i think that um unless a critical mass of people reject you know, governance with the kinds of uh, misanthropic lunatics and sadists and liars who populate the WHO, I think that, um, you know, we're going to find ourselves living under the yoke of this uh, Marxist uh, extortionist global government. Um, the one bit of solace I have is that um, under, under the Canadian Constitution, of course, health is a provincial jurisdiction primarily, um, although there is some sharing of jurisdiction. Um, and so the federal government in Canada could not dictate to the provinces. The provinces would have to adopt this. But my fear is that the federal government could bully the provinces into, into adopting the WHO pandemic treaty in the same way that they've done, for example, with UNDRIP. Um, and of course, uh, many provinces... Uh, in Canada are, uh, are starved for cash and they rely upon transfer payments. And so they really cannot afford to resist pressure from the federal government to accept this WHO pandemic treaty. Of course, the situation for Alberta, thankfully, uh, is different. Uh, we, we certainly could, we have the resources to do that. But I wonder if other people have been following this WHO pandemic treaty and uh, if they share my concerns about uh, our, our government signing on to this, uh, you know, given what a disastrous series of decisions uh, the WHO uh, made about about COVID-19, not the least of which 
was was declaring a pandemic in the first place uh, in relation to a virus that we now know uh, really affects only a fraction of 1% of the population and never was an existential threat justifying all of the uh, all of the measures that that came into effect you know from from lockdowns all the way through all the way down to vaccines so i'm interested to know what uh, perhaps uh, others have to say about this or uh, or any of the topics that we've been discussing here who's our next speaker lorraine is that me yeah go ahead tad dad hi oh you're back great to hear yes. from you i've always been on the road wednesday nights before um but so um, first, on the regulatory boards in the provinces, back when the Health Professions Act was in, I was a regulator at the time, mm -hmm. and I really think the regulatory boards are open targets because in the process, they are not allowed to give up their authority to any other group. So they can right. take another group's input into consideration. But if they didn't do due diligence, they're at risk. Mm -hmm. um, so there's the organizational risk. Um, and then it gets a little complex, but way back, uh, I don't know, at the end of Ralph Klein's time, they got in this process of a lot of boards and charities got insurance, li director liability insurance. And... I'm curious, and then I'll ask about the WHO, but I'm curious if um, if board members fraudulently act outside of the power of the organization they're representing, and then a lawsuit's put in front of them, and they continue to defend the fraud, could they as individuals lose the protection of that insurance? Because insurance doesn't protect against fraudulent action. Mm. I would say you've got a fairly persuasive legal argument there, uh, <laughs> not the not not the least of which uh, uh, is due to the fact that um, insurers. <laughs> I apologize to anybody who's in the insurance game. Um, you know they'll do almost anything to to avoid liability. Um, well, and here's what's you know. sweet about it: some of the people that sat at the table that made the pandemic decisions no longer sit at the table. So if mm. new people realize that their action puts them at risk if they defend the fraud, they might be way less inclined to protect. Like, it's a weird structure thing, um, but it's you sometimes uh, the bad guys cheat in boring ways till they have power. And I think our side needs to... Uh, be aware of the boring ways to go after them. So, uh, yeah, one of which is a is a lawsuit, right? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You know, the, you know, uh, and again, I was talking with Wayne Peters about this last night in his show. Um, you know, one of the ways that that we can we can send a message to these people uh, to show them that there are consequences for their consequences for their bad actions is by suing them. Uh, it's a very, very effective strategy. People get no. I've never met anybody uh, in in my years of being a lawyer who who likes being sued. I've been sued. It's unpleasant. It's not. It's a bad day when you get sued. <laughs> and uh, anybody who's yeah. experienced it knows it. And um, I, I think we're going to see more of this um, as part of the process of holding people in power accountable. 
and if it if it works it's great you know canada historically has not been as litigious a society as our as our friends to the south the americans the americans have this down pat and uh, they affect a lot of very useful uh, change and they keep power in check through using litigations and uh, and a lot of it a lot of that the power of that is because they use uh, civil juries uh you know everyday people and um you know you can see how that can have can have an impact uh, that can sometimes degenerate into things like lawfare like what we see happening to uh, you know, to Mr. Trump right now. But I do think that we're going to see more and more of this. And this is why I think it's significant that the prime minister is being named in, uh, in such a major lawsuit. And um, I think we're only, uh, I think we're only at the beginning. I think we're, we're on the dawn of something uh, much, much bigger. And, um, you know, using the, you know, the old adage that a high tide floats all boats yeah, I think it's ultimately it could bode well for for everyone who's engaged in these uh, in these lawsuits because um, I think that there uh, there's a there's a trend that's developing here uh, and it's very hard to uh, it's, it's it's very hard to change that it's very hard to push back the tide once it's started and uh, and this 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 wave uh, is growing is growing into a into a tsunami very quickly. Sorry for all the weather references, but, uh, you know, I guess I've been steeped no too problem. much in, uh, in, in, in climate change hysteria. I'm starting to use their their lingo. Um, anyway, did anything else you wanted to say? I'll to just that? throw my WHO thing at you. Sure. Um, so one of the things, like back when I did this stuff, I had a meeting with Anne McClellan when she was federal minister of health. This applies to WHO. Mm -hmm. When you have the province and the feds splitting like to get health reform, yeah. you have to deal with the feds. Yeah. Yeah. They love this idea of removing decision from accountability. Yeah. And the WHO would be the just an amazing, it's like wearing layers when you go yeah. out. It's just this extra layer for them because peeling it back is um, against the whole principle of democracy wow. where, you know, you need your power where the accountability is and so anything that can stop this who um stuff needs to happen but um i'm gonna That's go back very, to silent and i want to thank you for that all your comments but that last one is a very astute very insightful comment uh and i think uh based upon uh, my research about what's going on here i think you've cut to the heart of what's going what's what's happening it's uh it's very useful because they really don't give up power but at the same time, uh, they gain basically, you know, uh, immunity and and plausible deniability, which unfortunately governments have become very, very big fans of in uh, in recent years. Um, so, Lorraine, do we have anybody else who wants to come on and uh, provide some comments? Yeah, we do. We have Krista Bear. Did I say that okay. right? Yeah, that's fine. Or you can call me Chris. Uh, Leighton, first of all, thank you for your courage standing up and uh, and fighting for those of us who aren't familiar with the law. I am one of the uh, federally regulated railroaders who uh, started uh, class. Got railroaded. I uh, got railroaded exactly, which is how we uh, we cross paths. Um, yep. So I uh, I'm actually 
just finished a 12 hour shift and ate a heavy meal and my brain's about to shut off. So I'd like to fire off a few things and go sure. on mute. So uh, first question I have, or the only question I have for you is, uh, are there any other legal routes that us federally regulated uh, employees could uh, resume in, uh, in, in the court setting? I'm happy to sue any way I can. Um, yeah. Now that the uh, there has been some more decisions and uh, things made, I wonder if the situation has changed. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, as for is Trudeau going to change his mind, I don't think he is. I don't think these lawsuits or anything is going to affect him uh, or yeah. his, his position. And um, a couple of books that I'd recommend are uh, from Vox Day and they're titled uh, SJWs Always Lie and SJWs Always Double Down. And I expect that's exactly what we'll get is more lies and more doubling down. And mm -hmm. uh, the last comment I wanted to make is um, as far as uh, his friends suing the federal government, um, that could also be uh, the stage of collapse that we are in our civilization. Looting the treasury is always in there along with an increase uh, in tyranny. And that yeah. seems to be what we're at right now. And that's about mm -hmm. all I have to say. I'm going to mute my mic and uh, and then I'm going to drive out a cell phone service and listen to this uh, offline. So yeah. uh, thank you very much. And uh, everybody, God bless and have a great night. Wow. The pithy comments. Thanks, Chris DeBear. Um, your your essential question for me is, I think, is there a way to revisit what happened to, for example, unionized employees? And uh, this requires a bit of explanation. What happened to unionized employees who were subjected to um, COVID mandates, and this includes healthcare workers, um, and, but also uh, it includes, um, some of the people who are, who are included in our, in our unvaccinated class action, um, who, for example, worked in the transport industry as, as Christopher did. Yeah. One, both of those. So, yes. And one of the areas that, um, hasn't been fleshed out yet is but what we've suspected for a long time is a level of collusion between the unions, the union reps, corporate, and the government of Canada. And what we're starting to peel off right now uh, through some of these legal decisions is, uh, is the existence of, uh, of, 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 I would say, at least collaboration and, and, and collusion. Uh, for example, if you look at, uh, at the Mosley decision, you see uh, a, a finding of coordination between the government of Canada and the Ottawa City Police. Um, I think that it would be a short walk to to apply that type of reasoning to the situation involving, for example, CN employees and their union. The unions who told their employees in unison, we're not even going to take up your grievances because, you know, everything that the government is is telling us to do and everything corporate is telling us to do on COVID, including vaccine mandates, is perfectly fine. Uh, just take the job. It's safe and effective. It'll save your life. Uh, it'll save everybody else's life, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that as we go along, um, I think that we're going, to discover, we're going to discover some of these deeper levels of collusion and corruption, and that would open the door to further litigation. Um, you know, the, the, these, these lawsuits, you know, they're almost like water. Water always finds you know, its lowest point. And, and, uh, and I think, uh, as, as the, the sort of the water, this flood of litigation works its way through the, through the system, 
hopefully it's going to cleanse some of this corruption forgive the metaphor but i'm a trial lawyer so i talk in pictures sometimes but but also um you know i think it's going to reveal uh some different avenues of litigation so the short answer is today right now i don't think that there's another avenue but i suspect that it's coming i think we're going to see we're going to see some of these lawsuits uh against unions for you know violation of their of their uh, contractual obligations to workers i think we're going to see that i think it's coming uh but we're not there yet we're we're working on it um it might be of interest actually chris to bear that um and in the first week of march i'm going to be in the federal court in uh, edmonton and uh, the very issue that we were um, presenting in our case in cn uh, will be before the court uh, on behalf of canada post workers um so uh, i'll keep you post i'll keep everyone posted on that but uh, thank you for joining us and for your comments tonight christopher my pleasure i am like a second away from losing cell service so everybody have a great night <laughs> all right thanks for joining us i think we've got time for one more um comment lorraine what do you think yeah sure why not uh we've got one more um person that requested to speak so go ahead okay. dave you're up next just unmute your mic there you go okay thank you so much um first of all i just want to say a huge thank you for this lawsuit. I think it's it's such an obvious and important thing that needs to be done. Um, two years ago, of course, was one of the darkest days in our country's history. And to see this lawsuit and the other ones announced today, uh, it just seems like such a good dose of positive uh, development. It's just so good to see. Um, mm. So thank you again. And my question is, um is this particular lawsuit is it is it picking up with attention from from a, a lot of everyday folks and i would imagine the mainstream media is trying to ignore it as much as mm -hmm. possible so just kind of curious how if it's picking up steam and how you expect uh, things to play out over the next few months well i that's a great question by the way and thank you for it um uh, there's a, a great deal of synergy that's developing as these lawsuits go forward. Um, in fact, uh, my friend uh, Jeffrey Rath, who worked with me on the Ingram case, uh, was on Viva Fry and was also on uh, on the Shadow Davis show last night, um, uh, talking about a class action that his firm has brought on behalf of Albertans, uh, because uh, of course we were successful in having all of the lockdown orders in Alberta declared illegal and many people lost their businesses and suffered other types of harm. And, uh, and of course that led to uh, a, a discussion uh, of, of uh, me getting in touch with uh, Viva Fry about our lawsuit. And uh, Viva Fry, if you don't know, is uh, quite a prolific and popular podcaster, has over half a million followers on this platform alone. And, um, when I have the opportunity to be on his show on Friday to talk about our case, um, that's going to reach, uh, who knows, perhaps millions more. Uh, the potential of our lawsuit is great in the sense that um, in Canada, you know, we have uh, roughly 7 million people uh, who could be part of that, part of that claim. Uh, so um, I do think that we are gathering uh, steam to use uh, your, your description. And uh, part of part of our job right now uh, is to is to 
continue to get the word out and uh, and to build that momentum and then to, to take the case forward. The next phase of what we're doing right now is uh, we need to go to the court to get our uh, our fee agreement approved. Um, under Canadian law, there's a law called the Class Actions Act, and it does require the court to approve our fee agreement. And of course, uh, this case is being uh, is being brought forward on on the basis of a contingent fee uh, with with our representative plaintiff. Uh, and so that's part of the what we're doing next. And then uh, from there, we're going to be getting into um, some applications that are part of the certification process. Uh, what's going to be very interesting is to see how the government of Canada reacts uh, to being besieged with uh, so much litigation. You know, they they don't have um, you know, inexhaustible, infinite legal resources. Um, you know, they're at a point right now, I think they're going to have to farm out a lot of this stuff to private law firms. And I mean, how would that be? You know, all of these, uh, all these Canadians, uh, good Canadians, taxpaying Canadians, uh, suing their government and the government using those tax dollars to hire lawyers to fight with the taxpayers who are suing them. There seems like there's something uh, wrong with this picture. And indeed there is. Um, but, uh, no, they, uh, this, this, uh, I, I think all of this, I think it helps us. Uh, but, but I think we still have to remain vigilant and, and, and push forward. I do, I do disagree with our previous caller. I don't think that Justin Trudeau is going to be able to wiggle out or escape, um, the impact of all this litigation on his, on his administration. I think we're very, very close to the end of the Justin Trudeau. Um, a prime ministership in our country, and I think his government, his government will topple before the before the country does. Um, thankfully, uh, th I think I think the country is much more resilient uh, than than perhaps people give give it credit for, and that's mainly because of the great people we have in our country, uh, some of whom are right here on this call, and uh, and God bless you for 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 being here. Speaking of God bless you. Um, as we always do, we've come now to the top of the hour, and um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know we're 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 now embarking on the really uh, I think the most um, significant, most important part of the calendar for Christians, uh, the season of Lent, uh, you know the the forty days that that lead up to Easter, and um, this is very important for those of us who are who are Christians. Uh, you know, the Christmas season uh, and other parts of the year, of course, are important for us, too. But but really, uh, Easter is a, it's a sacred time. And so, uh, as we always do, uh, um, I want to leave off with a Bible verse. This one is is part of Lent. It might seem strange because it's from the Old Testament. It's from Psalms, uh, chapter six, verse six to ten. But it's a it's a lament. And I think that a lament is an appropriate way to enter into uh, Lent. I'll just mention actually that um, I did record um, a short commentary last year on the significance of Lent uh, that uh, is reposted on this page and I think Lorraine's going to release it on some of the other platforms. So if you're curious about Lent and, and want to learn more about it, if you're interested about you know what I have to say about it, uh, feel free to take that in and, and uh, ask me questions about it. I'm happy to do that. But anyway, uh, the, the verse today is, as I said, from Psalm chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. And it reads as follows. I am weary with my moaning. 
Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drenched my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. They grow weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and struck with terror. They shall turn back and in a moment be put to shame. God bless you and I look forward to getting together with you again uh, one week from now. Good night.